Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary, and it's me going solo again this week. So welcome to episode 188. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Welcome to episode 188. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who related. Yes, my co host, Mr. Adam, is uh, having an extended break, an extended holiday. And uh, yeah, so it's me to run solo again, and he's going to be away for a further week as well. So, um, yes, but however, next week I've got a guest lined up to come join me. You'll find out who that is next week, but I won't be solo. So you have to put up with me by myself for another week. I know, I know. Haven't got Adam's uh, comedic, funny, laid back, charming tones to, uh, to warm your Friday mornings. So let's put up with me. Yeah. But yeah, next week for 189, I'll have a special guest on to co-host to make it a bit more lively, I suppose. So we'll do a slightly shorter show this week as it's just me. Uh, there is a couple of bits to go through news and merch, but not much. I'm going to give you my rundown on the Matt Smith story, Let's Kill Hitler. And loads of you people sent in, uh, loads of you peeps sent in the reviews and and thoughts on that one and the Twitter poll. So that was great. So there's loads on this one. So that's all good. Thank you very much for that. Now, what have I been up to since last week? Not too much, really. Um, I've been keeping an eye out in Sainsbury's for the uh, the Energy of the Daleks Big Finish uh, release that they've, they've partnered with Sainsbury's um, for the vinyl, uh, the special limited edition blue LP, which looks rather nice. So I'm looking out for that, but alas... My local Sainsbury's doesn't seem to... Um, I could swore they had a vinyl stand in there a month or so ago. It wasn't that long ago. And uh, I could have sworn that they had plenty of vinyl on there. I was in there yesterday. I'm recording this on Wednesday the 23rd of May. And uh, I was in there yesterday and I couldn't even find that stand, let alone the Doctor Who release. So... I may have to search further afield. But it does look quite nice. And I've not listened to that Big Finish uh, story before either, but apparently it's rather good. So uh, I will hunt that down. If anyone has found it, any of our listeners have managed to to grab that, then do uh, put a pic online on Twitter or something and let us know. Because I've only seen the production picture, but I'd like to see it in the flesh, so to speak. Uh, it's not a bad price either. 
I'll have you know. £18, to be precise. It's a rather strange price. Normally it'd be 19.99 or something like that, but yeah, 18 quid, which is really good because I know that some of the uh, the limited edition big finish releases on vinyl that have gone in the past have been very pricey and they haven't even had the um they haven't even had the uh the special colored finish or anything. Um I think what was the I think it was a couple of uh Paul McGann releases that they did on on vinyl that were really expensive. So yeah, the Chimes of Midnight was one of them, and that was £89. I know, <laughs> 89 quid. Uh, that was limited to 500 copies, but that I'm, I could be wrong. Please, anyone tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that didn't have any special colour for the vinyl or anything like that. It was just standard black which is fine, which is all good. Um, but I remember it had, uh, if memory serves, it had a limited edition new release artwork, which was really cool. It was a really nice piece of artwork. I think it was Tom Webster that did that. And uh, yeah, it was really nice, but that was 90 quid. And that didn't have the snazzy coloured vinyl or anything. So this is a great price, 18 quid for the... Uh, for the LP. So yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that. If anyone finds it or, or bagged it for this good price and let us know, post a pick, it'd be good to have a look. I will hunt it down over the weekend. I'll, uh, I'll have to, um, I'll have to go and find, uh, a few different Sainsbury's stores that are near me. I'm not going to drive too far, <laughs> uh, but I will. There are about five or six in surrounding towns, I suppose. I can have a look which would be good. Uh, otherwise, not much really. I've been going through all of your articles. So uh, any listeners that I'm not sure um, on the news recently, we opened up the TARDIS doors again. We're looking for a, another one, possibly two writers to join the team to, to put out regular content for us. And uh, we've had loads of, of entries for that. So thank you so much, all of you guys that have either taken the time to write a specific article for that or sent us a link to your existing articles and stuff. It's really cool. I'm going through them all at the minute. I was going to make a decision this week and announce it on this week's show, but the submissions are still coming in. So I'm going to leave it open for one more week um, just to see um, what happens there. Um, But yeah, we've had more than the first round when we first did it last year. So that's very, very cool. Thank you so much. I'm going for all of those, but rest assured, I will get back to all of you probably... Uh, the beginning of next week, I'd say. So Monday or Tuesday of next week, the 28th or the 29th of May, you'll get an email from me. Um, I won't be able to email everybody back for those that haven't uh, been successful. Um, but those of you that do um, uh, bag a place, uh, I will email you and go through the deets with you and get you on board. Um, but yeah, just once again, thank you so much. We've had loads of... Um, responses to that so that's really good so i've been going through those uh, and otherwise just going through some stuff that's going to be coming up later in the year on the podcast really so um been working on some new media that's going to feature on the show in terms of music sound effects that kind of thing uh, working on a new website at the moment so all that stuff's going on and also fixing and working on a new newsletter as well because it hasn't been working for a few months now so loads of stuff 
going on. Uh, that's what I've been up to. Um, but yes, there's just a couple of bits to go through news and much. So I'd like to do it. So I hate doing news like this. I really do. Um, whenever Adam and I have to do news like this, it's always a bummer. And the only bit of news is very sad news. Graham Strong has sadly left us this year, age 69. Those of you who know the name will be saddened by that. Those of you that don't, we mentioned him um, a few episodes back now uh, as part of another story. But Graham Strong is uh, essentially the guy that that sort of is in custo- was in custodian of all of the high quality audio recordings from um, a, a huge pile of classic um, Doctor Who episodes um, and a lot of the ones that are actually missing. Uh, he was one of the he was um, uh, as a sort of a, a hobby project, I believe. Um, when he was very, very young, back in 63, he was 14 years old back then. Uh, as a hobby project, he decided to um, make um, audio recordings, high-quality audio recordings of uh, Doctor Who episodes. And um, he was he actually had a, well, for the time anyway, he actually had a very good... Um, uh, sort of little setup going on. So there are official sources of some of these audio tracks, but they were based off of the the really old, old tapes, um, and not even the masters, a lot of them, like really old rough tape cuts that were used back then. Um, but what Graham did was um, he he actually used his own microphone set up by the TV. So he had a very sort of basic microphone for the time. And he just placed it right next to the speaker on the TV. Um, and uh, yeah, and just hit record. And that was it. And just literally recorded the the audio straight into uh, his recording uh, device. And uh, yeah, so um, one of the... Uh, what So Graham, when he was interviewed recently, recalls when he very first did this. So he said, uh, he said, I can't recall if I actually recorded the first episode of Doctor Who. Uh, the earliest recording I still have was the first episode of The Keys of Marinus, which was first shown in April in 1964. He said recordings were made via a basic crystal microphone, uh, which came with the machine hanging over the television speaker and a plant pot placed on the top of the TV to keep the microphone in place. And uh, Mother was given instructions not to come into the room when recording was in session, quote unquote. So it's... Uh, and he did this for loads and loads of recordings. Like I said, even the, the episodes that are unfortunately now missing, um, his audio tracks are, are really good. And because he recorded straight out of the TV with a microphone right there and by the sound of it insisted on silence when he was doing that, his recordings are actually a lot higher in quality than any of the existing BBC ones. So a really, really cool hobby project which turned into a bit of a lifesaver for a lot of the um, Doctor Who projects that um, the restoration team are working on. And um, yeah, it's just very, very sad. We, we covered a story 
recently um, that he handed over all of his uh, collection of recordings and so on over to the restoration team. And um, yeah, it's just very sad. Um, but it's 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 guys like that and their their passion for the show and 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 what they did, which ultimately leads us to the Doctor Who recordings coming back for us today. So um, as an example, um, the Power of the Daleks release that was out uh, last year or the year before, um, they were based on Graham's recordings um, because they were, they were really high quality and crystal clear, most of them. And uh, there's also a, a, quite a, a big number of the classic DVDs um, that were out there um that feature his recordings as well so yes it's all it's all good stuff but sad that he's left us so graham strong leaves us age 69 that's it for news let's get our metal friend in and see what the see what the bleed now he's got for us match corner match corner Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. So those of you that have ordered the Series 12 Blu-ray collection, uh, which I'm assuming a lot of you have based on our chats with you guys, it's been delayed by a week. There we go. Nothing more interesting other than that it was meant to be monday the 11th of june it's now going to be monday the 18th of june that you can expect that depending on where you've ordered it from so i ordered mine from amazon which i'm assuming most of you did there are a few other websites that you can order this from um but i've i'm assuming this is like um uh oh a world a worldwide uh UK thing um, because it sounds like the uh, this really this statement has come from BBC Worldwide and they won't be sending stock to these people until then so there we go um, and they've also released a new image um, for the release as well because so far the only thing that they've shown is like a 3D render of the front cover with the with the spine as well um, but they've in the last couple of days they've They've put out a um, a new image which shows the discs and inside the the case and the booklet that comes with it and so on. Now, logo aside, and you guys know how I feel about the logo. Logo aside, this does look absolutely beautiful. It really does look just beautiful. So once again, Lee Binding has just nailed it completely. I'm going to say that he's he's one of my favourite Doctor Who artists. I'm just going to put that out there. I know there are I I do follow a few because I do sort of digital artwork myself. I do follow quite a few artists, especially that do stuff for BBC and Doctor Who. And Lee just he just he just manages to take the brief and just turn it into something. Just bang on, absolutely bang on, which he did with some of the um, Blu-ray steelbooks and posters and episode posters that he's done in the past. So when the BBC goes to him and say, we want 
a complete design for the packaging for the Series 12 Blu-ray. It's going to be Tom Baker. It's, you know, this is what we want on the... This is what the, the characters and the monsters we want to feature. It needs to have a sort of classic vibe to it, but also a modern feel because we're going to put the new logo on it. Go and do your thing. He's just like, yeah, cool. Give me three minutes. <laughs> Probably not three minutes, but no, he's, uh, yeah, Lee just manages to take what what they're after and just produce something beautiful. And it's got a really nice um, purpley, purple seems to be the colour for design and everything in the last year or so. And uh, it's really nice. So the front cover, so like I said, the only image that we've seen at the moment has been the the front and it's got the wraparound thing. Um, but the image that they've put out recently hasn't got that. So we see the full image and it's got Tom Baker obviously on the front and then it's got this purple diamond shape with clouds and explosion, uh, clouds and fire and stuff. And it's got a Dalek in there. Um, what else has it got? Uh, Cyberman. Um, obviously the robot um, from the first story of Tom Baker's um, and uh, Potato Head and so on. It looks really nice. And then the booklet has got a similar feel. It's got the time. It's got a time vortex in the background. It's got um, uh, Harry, Sarah Jane and Tom on that one. Really nice. And then the discs themselves have got that same purplish color with the time vortex and it's got different characters littered throughout. And then the actual case itself is really nice. So when you open it up, um, it's got these clear um, trays that each disc sits into. And underneath those, you've got another photo of Tom Baker, a more recognizable one. And on the inside of the front cover, it's got really nice picture of Tom's TARDIS and it's got the really old time vortex from Tom's intro. The whole thing just looks really nice really really nice and to be honest with you i was i was sold on this anyway more out of interest and intrigue more than anything else purely because i wanted to see how well the um bbc worldwide have translated these classic episodes over to high definition on blu-ray um and like i said the logo yeah we've spoken about this on three or four shows over the last couple of months um, I can totally see why the BBC are doing it. They want to unify everything and make sure that, you know, everything that goes out in 2018 onwards is all consistent and branded consistently. So there's no confusion. Um, I don't agree with that for Classic Who. You know, I don't. Um, however, um, it, it, it does look it does look very, very nice. It does look very, very nice. Um, the inside stuff is a lot nicer than the outside to me. But there we go. So that's coming a week later. And those of you that have not pre-ordered, you can still do that. It hasn't sold out anywhere. They've got plenty of stock of this. Um, but uh, but you are getting a bunch of brand new features with the Blu-ray set. Um, so this does feature, so just to confirm, it does feature all of the, so if you've got any of these stories on DVD already, you're still going to get all of the bonus um, material from those DVDs on this. So that's all there as well. Um, however, you are going to get some extra stuff, some brand new stuff. So um, you're going to get a new interview with Tom Baker, uh, a one hour interview. It's just called Tom Baker in Conversation. And those of you that attended the Sharda event uh, would have seen a few snippets of that. But that's going to be quite cool. Uh, there's another thing called Behind the Sofa, 
and that's got classic clips from season 12, pardon my French, uh, from series 12, which are viewed by Tom Baker and Phil Hinchcliffe. Uh, you've got Louise Jameson, Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton and Sadie Miller, all viewing stuff from series 12. There's new day, uh, making of documentaries for the Centauran Experiment and Revenge of the Cybermen. There's new sound mixes for The Ark in Space and Genesis of the Daleks. Brand new 5.1 surround mixes for those. There's uh, optional um, updated special effects for Revenge of the Cybermen. Now that's important. Those effects are optional. So you, uh, by the sound of it, you can view that in its original format as it was broadcast, or you can bang on the... Um, these the the new updated special effects for that uh, it's got the omnibus movie version of genesis of the daleks now in our past couple of weeks you would have heard us um talk about the um our us friends and canadian friends now getting genesis of the daleks in the cinema and that's been uh, touted as the director's cut and so on it's essentially this it's the it's genesis of the daleks just all in one hit instead of in separate um episodes uh, it's got something else called the Tom Baker Years, and that's the 1991 VHS release. Release the 1991 VHS release on disc for the first time and production archive material. So a bunch of PDF files from the BBC archives. So plenty of good stuff on there, I would say, and it's still up for pre-order for 39.99 it's a six disc set and i think that's pretty good pretty good value to be honest with you because it's um it's not just a case of right they've taken the the standard um dvd releases of these stories and just up-res them onto blu-ray packaged it in something new and shipped it um, they've actually put some work into um, uh, up upscale, obviously, to upscale the episodes so that they look reasonable or presentable for high definition. But they've also included extra stuff, so a bunch more documentary and making of style things and interviews. But they've also like added new effects, new sound mixes, and that kind of thing. So. And the packaging alone is just gorgeous anyway. So if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, jump on that. There's still nowhere sold out as yet. But it will be coming a bit later, Monday the 18th of June. That's going to do for news and merch. Now it's on to Matt Smith. The Leather Doctor story. Let's go to Hitler! You shot it! You shot my TARDIS! Thank you. Whoever you are, I think you have just saved my life. Shoot her. No! Doctor, the man of peace, who understands every kind of warfare except perhaps the cruelest. Take off your clothes. All of Berlin, how do we find her? Kiss, kiss. You will be dead in 32 minutes. Oh, Pond. Haven't you figured that one out yet? Let's kill Hitler. I expect some of you have been dreading us doing this one. And some of you 
maybe looking forward to it. I'm not sure. But over the years, whenever we've spoken about Series 6 in general and this particular episode, it's always been very divided. So we shall see. I will try and get Adam to do a review of this as well when he gets when he gets back. So for this one and last week, um, what was last week? Torchwood, um, day one, and this episode, uh, I will, and he's not going to be here next week as well. So for the Sarah Jane uh, review, I will try, when he gets back, I'll try and get him to record some quick sort of um, five minute, uh, very quick reviews for these so he can get his thoughts as well. Um, but Let's Kill Hitler was first broadcast back in 2011. It was uh, written by The Mothball. It was directed by Richard Senior and uh, overseen by Caroline Henry. Uh, it stars, uh, obviously, Matt Smith as the Doctor, uh, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darville and Alex Kingston, um, plus a reasonably sized supporting cast. Uh, so this is when uh, Doctor Who... Um, had its um, its hiatus, if you like, for a few months. So the last episode that we saw previous to this one, which we reviewed um, back in uh, the end of April, A Good Man Goes to War, that was when the series had a break and then we came back with this one, Let's Kill Hitler. So in the last one... Um, we found out that River Song was the daughter of Amy and Rory. And um, off she went. The doctor buggered off um, because the, um, who was it? The villain in that one, oh, Madame Kavarian. Uh, she ended up tricking the doctor quite impressively at the end of um, A Good Man Goes to War and she ends up uh, scarpering with the baby, uh, a.k.a. River, uh, brings her up, brainwashes her to be a weapon to take out the Doctor. So that's how we were left. And then in this one, we pick up with Amy and Rory trying to get hold of the Doctor via crop circles. Uh, They end up um, finding him. Um, But we also have um, the introduction of a bit of a backstory where when Rory and Amy were younger, their best friend, um, Melody or Mel's, um, turns out to be River Song. And um, she blackmails the doctor to jump into the TARDIS. She's a bit of a uh, a bit of a wild, reckless person, um, as it transpires, which we knew anyway, as that's kind of River's overall character. Uh, she ends up sort of hijacking the TARDIS with the Doctor, accidentally shooting the console, um, but because she's a bit of a uh, a wild one, she's in possession of a gun, and she's like, well, I've got a gun, you've got a time machine. She's just very whimsically like, yeah, what the hell, let's go and kill Hitler, hence the name of the of the episode. They end up going back to Berlin pre-World um, War, and... Um, a bit of a failed attempt to kill Hitler. They actually end up saving his life because it turns out there's a, this kind of, um, the best way to describe this, it's kind of a sort of a time travel, yeah, a time traveling, uh, sort of judge and jury, um, department, um, justice department, um, have targeted Hitler. Um, they're going to, they've infiltrated, um, his, uh, his office, 
in Berlin and they were about to kill him. But the um, because Melanie had Melody had shot the TARDIS console, it ends up crash landing through the through his wall, uh, saving him, pushing him out of the way. And uh, as he tries to kill the um, the robot that tried to that was about to kill him. He accidentally shoots Melody. She regenerates into what we now know as um, the more recognisable River Song. Um, and then she tries to kill the Doctor. She poisons him. He's about to die. Amy and Rory get um, miniaturised and taken into one of the robots. And then it's a race, really, to try and save the Doctor. And it's also a bit of a, a character-building piece for this early River Song. So uh, she's all set on killing the doctor that's what she's been brought up and trained to do but she's a bit reckless so she goes off causes a bit of mayhem and uh she actually ends up saving the doctor and amy and rory she uses up all of her regenerations her remaining generations to bring the doctor back and they end up um sort of leaving her to find her own way towards the end so yeah it's a little bit timey-wimey as you'd expect written by the moth it's a bit um, sort of jumpy and a bit kind of, what's going on here then? What's this about? Um, because the time streams are a bit skewed where it concerns River Song's relationship with the Doctor and also Amy and Rory. Um, yeah, it's all a bit, um, what's going on here then? Overall, now I, I will be honest with you guys, I've not listened, sorry, not listened, I've not watched this one for... Crikey, a couple of years, I would say, was the last time I stuck this one on. And, uh, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It wasn't as bad as I thought, actually. I think there are there are times where, as, a, as Who fans and as a community, we can get swept up in sort of popular opinion sometimes because we haven't got the correct memory to counterbalance that. So there are times where Adam and I are talking about an episode, this one is a perfect example, when we're not recording and we're working out our schedule, I'm like, well, let's throw this one in there because we, we've done a good man goes to all. Why don't we carry on a little bit? And his immediate reaction was, oh, you know, let's kill Hitler, as was mine. You know, I was like, oh, no, I know. Um. But as but watching through it, it wasn't as terrible as I remember, and it's not as bad as if you got a hundred Who fans in the same room and got their opinion, you know. And the same as me, if they hadn't watched it in a in a year or two, they'd probably be the same. Like, oh, it's awful, it's terrible. But it wasn't that bad, not as bad as I remember, anyways. And I think this, whenever you've got timey wimey stories like this. And whenever you've got these character arcs that kind of jump time streams and jump, you know, because we're meeting River at the, her very beginning here. Um, and we have the the thing where sort of River's explaining to, to Amy and Rory how she came about and, you know, she regenerated as a toddler. She was a bit weird and grew up and managed to find them and and blah, blah, blah. You know, these are the sort of things that we've come to expect from Stephen Moffat's writing over the years, you know. And especially that not just overseeing as showrunner, but specifically the episodes that he writes. He does like to put these. And I think this is the all roads lead back to the Moth 
throughout, um, well, from series five to 10, you know, it's all roads lead back to the moth with certain things. And the river song thing. Yeah. I'm not sure on, I, a part of me feels like river song. It was just, sometimes it was just overly convoluted in some places. I think River Song's a pretty cool character. Don't get me wrong. I mean, she's not my favourite character from who, I'll be honest with you. But I think sometimes her character, I mean, sometimes I feel like the moth kind of shoots himself in the foot a little bit because he created this character of River Song, which is, you know, for somebody just to, you know, have this vision in their head and then refine it down to a character that can be inserted into the into the series and into the, the whole Doctor Who lore and stuff. It's pretty impressive, but it just feels like, along with, you know, a handful of other episodes that the Moth's written, it does feel a little bit heavy, like the weight of the story is sort of bringing the, you know, the fun aspect down a little bit. And I do get that he wanted to make this a little bit of a light-hearted episode. Um, I do get that. Um, because he did say that um, he wanted to make it a bit more sort of uplifting as opposed to the Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon and stuff. He wanted to make it feel a little bit light-hearted and a bit less um, sort of serious and so on. But So I, I do get that. There are, you know, quite a few moments within this where it does feel a bit light-hearted. And Matt Smith... Um, it's down to him, a lot of it. But it still feels heavy. It still feels like the weight of the whole River Song, you know, timey-wimey arc and stuff. It's just making it feel a little bit under pressure, if you like. It's like you're, you know, you're concerned with what's going on with this River Song thing. You know, and you don't really pay much attention to what else is going on. That That's just me personally. So the whole um, um, Tessa Lecter thing so these guys that, that sort of miniaturize themselves and go in and create these copies of people as robots and then sort of torture them into death. I thought that um, concept was quite cool, actually, but I just didn't really focus on it enough because my attention was all about the the, the river song and, you know, the Doctor slowly dying, supposedly, and, and that kind of thing. And because of this whole story arc that he's got going on with when the Doctor's going to die, it was meant to be in Utah on a certain date and then it changes and then it didn't. That's what I'm talking about with the moth creating these timey-wimey aspects that just feel a little bit like, you know, I'm having to concentrate too much here. (laughs) I want to sit down and be entertained. I don't want to have to stop at the end and get my notepad out and go, right, River Song's here, the Doctor's here, but she was there. And he didn't die. So what does that mean? And that means that. But in another story, she said that. So that doesn't make sense. And now Rory and Amy are doing this. And But hold on a minute. In that story, they said that. So that doesn't make sense. Does that mean that that story is meant to take place before that one? You know, I don't want to have to feel that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes if you've got a bit of a, you know, a, a every now and then, you've got a quite a complex episode that is timey-wimey, then cool. But it just feels like the moth kind of 
sort of writes himself, I've, I've said this many times, it feels like the moth writes himself into a corner because he puts these things in place. And then when it comes to further episodes where you want to use those characters or stories again, he can't just say, right, we're going to use River in this episode. He probably has to get out, you know, a huge mind map. He's probably, you know, um, on those films and TV series, like those police or investigative um, stories, films, where the person's got a massive um, pin board or they've got a huge wall that's got loads of stuff pinned to it. So you've got photos of all the different suspects, you've got a huge map, and then you've got pieces of string that link everything together. And you know what I'm trying to say? It probably, that's what it's like for the moth. As he got towards the end of his era, and he was like, right, I'm going to use River Song in this story, he probably has to make a huge wall like that with a photo of River in the middle. And then all of these different episode um, uh, sort of synopsis pinned all around it. And then, you know, a timeline going underneath her photo and then photos of all the other cast members, you know, and he's probably thinking, bloody hell, what have I done here? So it feels that way to me. Anyway, there are probably plenty of our listeners that just breeze through this stuff and they're like, what are you talking about? It all makes sense. <laughs> but to me, it just feels a bit heavy. Anyways, overall, I thought it was not too too terrible, but certainly not my favourite um, story. Um, in terms of direction and writing and so on, looks really nice. Um, if, you know, Series 6, if nothing else, was a good exercise in cinematography put it that way the opening scene with the the cornfield and the depth of field and so on is really nice um hitler's office um and initially was meant to be a location thing was actually a huge set that they built because they needed to have the effect where the tardis crashes through the wall and so on so that was really nice some of the shots around swansea when they're out in berlin was really really nice overall it just looks you know, Series 6 looks very, very nice. Really nice. Um, the way it's filmed and how it's edited and so on. Really cool. Direction in this one. Um, yeah, it was okay. It was pretty good, actually. Um, no complaints, really. Um, yeah, and then music, Murray Gold's music. I really enjoy Murray Gold's music. Series 5 and Series 6, Murray Gold was really sort of still on fire, if you like. So series three and four. So basically Murray Gold in the RTD era was amazing. Really, really good. And then for the first half of the Moth era, he was still really, really good. And then for me, it sort of dropped off a little bit as we got into series nine and 10 um, and a little bit of series eight. But certainly in this one, um, nothing that sort of stood out hugely. They didn't use the... um. I am the Doctor theme every two minutes, which is good. Uh, but overall, as a presentation and watching it and stuff, it was really nice, really good, no problems with the audio mixes or any of that jazz, and just looked very, very nice. Uh, Character-wise, uh, supporting cast. So the guys that were aboard the um, the Tess Electa robot thing, uh, I thought they were okay. Not too bad. Um, there was a couple of uh, people that I recognised. Um, so uh, Ella Kenyon 
who was one of the operators that insisted that she ran up to the eyeball at the beginning so she could manually see what was going on. Um, you'd have recognised her from, um, she starred in the Catherine Tate show um, quite a lot. And she was also in, um, uh, what was she in? Uh, oh, the spin-off from Only Fools and Horses. Uh, she was in that as well. So I recognise her. Uh, the rest of the cast, not too bad. Um, I thought that the guy, uh, the the captain, it seemed, um, he sort of played that with um, enough sort of strict um, uh, sort of uncaring nature, if you like, pretty well. Um, the other guy on the ship, um, again, I can't I can't match the character names to the actors' names, unfortunately, but um, he was pretty good. Uh, the, sorry, the other guy that was kind of a bit more passionate about things. So he's the one that rescues Amy and Rory. He puts the um, the little um, wrist um, communicators on so that the antibodies don't don't get them. Um, and then later on, um, you know, he reveals that you know because Amy's family, she's got access to the records and so on, which didn't really please the captain too much. So he was he was okay. Uh, the adult, the adult. The actor that played Hitler was actually quite good. He was only in it for a very short amount of time. Um, he's in it um, where the Tesselector tries to kill him. The TARDIS crashes through. And then there's that funny scene where he sort of stands up and he's like, you've just saved my life. And Amy and Rory and the Doctor are sort of horrified that they've they actually saved Hitler's life instead of um, Melody there to kill him. And uh, so that was good, and he was good. But then they sort of they say that they lock him in a cupboard, then you don't see him again. So slightly underused, I would say. For a, uh, and this is why this is what I mean when I go back to the moth, making it feel heavy. I would have liked to have seen the Hitler character more in the story. Um, you know, seeing as the because it seems like the title's a little bit misleading, really. It's a bit of a clickbaity <laughs> uh, title, this one, because they go to Berlin with, you know, Mel's is there to to kill Hitler. Uh, Rory knocks him out with a lovely right-hander. They throw him in the cupboard, and then that's it. It's all about then um, River and the Doctor, really. So... That the whole the whole thing about the title of the episode, Let's Kill Hitler, and the actual character of Hitler. Um played by Albert Welling. He did a brilliant job with him, I thought. You know, all of that really is only the first ten minutes of the episode. Everything after that is nothing about Hitler, nothing about killing Hitler. It's just that little bit as a bit of a plot device to get you into the story of of uh River and the Doctor. So a little bit disappointed with that. would like to have seen a bit more of, of Hitler's character in there. Um, and we get to see the little Amy Pond as well, Amelia Pond. She's in it. She turns up as the um, as the TARDIS. Um, what is it? She keeps repeating herself. Um, the, uh, the voice interface of the TARDIS. Uh, so it's, we've seen that a few times before. So the hologram that turns up and uh, the doctor's trying furiously, you know, to to uh, 
to communicate with with young Amelia, um, but she keeps replying with the same thing, and then he sort of passes out, and then quite strangely, she replies with fish fingers and custard, which gives him a sort of surge of um, of renewed um, sort of energy, and uh, yeah, so that was quite cool. Young Amelia is back in there. Um, the character that played Mel's. Uh, Nina Toussaint White. Uh, she was quite cool, I thought. She definitely portrayed that sort of reckless, um, nonchalant, carefree attitude very, very well, which translated into um, the River Song that we know um, very well, um, quite nicely. Uh, so she was very cool. Um, and uh, when I've, I remember when I very first watched this, I thought, wow, they've killed her off early. So the bit where Hitler's shooting at the Tesselector robot, uh, it turns out that he's not a very good shot and ends up shooting Mel's uh, in the waist. And um, yeah, I remember when I first watched it, I thought, oh, she hasn't lasted very long. I know, you know, characters in Doctor Who are, you know, it's 50-50 whether they get saved by the Doctor or if they actually die. But yeah, I thought, wow. So it turns out that's forced a regeneration into, into River Song. But I thought she was pretty good, actually, Nina. Yeah, did a pretty good job. Uh, and then moving on to um, Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville. Um, I really like Rory in this one. Really like Rory. And I love it when Rory, when Arthur Darville gets a, a, a couple of really good scenes to get his teeth into. So in A Good Man Goes to War, he was very, very good. And Arthur Darville himself has said that he really, really enjoys when he gets to do that kind of more sort of uh, tough, you know, tough man, sort of more hero, heroic um, kind of performances in in his episodes. And and he did say that he, he enjoys that side of it. So in A Good Man Goes to War, he's, he's very much like that, like the opening scene where he approaches the Cybermen and he's no nonsense, you know, and he just wants answers. And then the explosion in the background and he doesn't flinch. He's just brilliant. And in this, it's a similar thing, like Hitler's mouthing off. Rory gives him a good right-hander and takes the gun away. There's another scene as well where they're out in the street in Berlin and German soldier approaches him on a motorbike and he uh, he gives him a, a good shot as well and jumps on the bike. And Yeah, so I think Rory's really, like Arthur Darville's, like really enjoys those scenes where he gets to shine, you know, because Rory's always viewed, you know... That, it's really cool, actually, the character progression that they made for for Rory. So in this, in some of the flashback scenes where Amy and Rory were sort of late teenagers and Mel's was there as well, Rory's kind of followed Amy around like a little puppy, really. And Amy actually thought that he was gay because he's never shown any interest in any other women. And then the penny drops that he's been in love with her the whole time and, you know, borderline obsessed, it feels like. She realises that after he runs off. So they always portray Rory in his younger years as a bit of a little puppy, really, that just follows her around. And and in early sort of season... Oh, blimey. Where's the pound jar? In early series five, they kind of portrayed this thing where Amy was, you know, fancied the Doctor and she was obsessed with him and Rory was sort of jealous and so on. But then they sort of transition that through where... Amy's respect for Rory grew more and more as he sort of handled the situation and 
you know, showed his commitment to Amy and, you know, was going to be there for her no matter what. So I really like the, the character progression for Rory. And um, yeah, Arthur Darville does really well in this one. Uh, Karen Gillum, not too bad in this one. Um, I can't say there were any major standout moments, really. There was a nice scene where her and Rory are about to get killed by the antibodies when they're still inside the um, the Tesselector, and that was quite nice. Um, another nice scene where she's inside and she's talking to the Doctor from inside the robot, which is a bit of a weird thing. She's talking, she's inside an Amy robot talking as Amy. And the, as the Doctor's crawling along the floor and she's sort of desperate, really, she's like, tell me what to do, I don't know what to do, and... So those scenes were quite cool. Otherwise, I thought she was a it was a fairly standard, fairly standard affair, really. Um, Alex Kingston and River Song, um, really good performance. I think R- River Song is a difficult one because it comes down to your overall opinion on River Song, really. Because there's been a few episodes where I thought, yeah, she's okay. And I don't think it's anything to do with Alex Kingston. I think it's the moth and how he's written that character. Sometimes she can be very, very flirty and, you know, borderline quite rude. And I'm not saying that as a prude or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, there have been a few lines in other episodes where it's very close to the knuckle, some of the conversations that she has with the Doctor. And, um, yeah. In this one, though... I don't really have any huge complaints about her character as such. Um, it just feels a little bit of a too much of a quick turnaround for me. Um, and what I mean by that is, so for the most most part of the episode, she's there as a bit of a reckless, doesn't really care about anything, and she's poisoned the doctor, and then she goes off on a bit of a a bit of a destruction derby, if you like. Um, and then when she comes back and she sees the doctor dying there, she's just sitting in the chair watching him die. She doesn't really care. And, um, you know, Amy and Rory are sort of pleading with her to help. And, you know, the doctor's pleading with her also when Amy and Rory are inside the Amy robot, you know, he's pleading with her. He's like, look, they're your parents, you know, save them, help them. And, uh, she still doesn't care. And then all of a sudden there's like a switch like River just suddenly sort of realises something. And it, for me, it just happens a little bit too quickly and a little bit too conveniently as well. It's like she's she has this mindset throughout the entire episode about how much she wanted to kill the Doctor and how, you know, she's pretty much succeeded in that. But then the Doctor, you know, says something. You know, she's intrigued, basically, about who this River song is because she doesn't know that that's her, well, she doesn't know enough about, you know, the person that she's going to be, you know, become. And she's intrigued by that. And then all of a sudden, it's like a switch that goes off. She like, All of a sudden, she wants to find out and know about this River Song. And as a result, the Doctor tells her something. And then she ends up essentially just using up all of her regenerations to save him, even though, like, you know, minutes before she was ready to watch him die. So it was okay in a way. And her performance... Alex Kingston's performance was was good in this. It was, you know, it was kicking off River Song that we know and love, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just a little bit too quick and convenient, in my opinion. But otherwise, um, Alex Kingston played that really well. And then Matt Smith, 
again, one thing that Adam and I have spoken about for series five and six is that sometimes he does carry the story a little bit. And I'm not saying he did that too much in this one, but there are a few scenes where if it wasn't for somebody like Matt Smith and his and the way that he can sort of brighten up a scene and make it funny or make it sad or, you know, just have that energy about him. Um, if it wasn't for him, then this there, there are a few scenes that would have just fallen completely flat in this. And the, Matt Smith does that so well as a leading man. You know, he does exactly what you would expect and what you need him to do in a in a TV show. You know, you need somebody that's going to, even if, you know, at the time when you're making it, you don't feel like, because obviously everybody involved who's making Doctor Who or any TV show, they're not making it to fail. You know, they're trying to make it the best as it can be. Um, But there must be times, there must be times when, on the set, the other actors, you know, they must know that, you know, this is not going to be an Oscar-winning series or an Oscar-winning episode at that time. But it's going to be good and, you know, Who fans are going to enjoy it, but it's never going to set the world on fire. And people like Matt Smith, you know, when they step up and, you know, turn a potentially, you know, half a dozen scenes, which could be quite flat, without his performance and turning it into something cool. You know, that's exactly what you're after. And Matt Smith does that incredibly well. Really, really well. And so a few scenes that, as an example in this story, so the first one would be um, when he comes out of the TARDIS in his tuxedo and his top hat. You know, they're all surprised. He's like, you're about to die and you've stopped to change and it's quite a funny scene and you know, initially you think, oh, he's okay, you know, but then he sort of collapses and, you know, you can tell that he's still, you know, dying, but he's, he's making the most of it. And, um, the scene where in the TARDIS where you've got the, the voice interface, the young Amelia, and he's clearly struggling, but he's quite funny as well. She's like, you've got 32 minutes to live. And he's like, yes, but I've got 31 minutes where I'm absolutely fine. And, and there's the other scene where, um, towards the end where they're in River Song's hospital room and and uh, he's like, rule number one, the doctor lies. You know, all of a sudden he switched back to this kind of uh, character, this doctor character that needs to be quite sort of to the point and harsh almost. Um, and yeah, all eyes are on Matt Smith in those scenes, you know, he's just, just, just brilliant. So no complaints at all for Matt Smith. Not his finest performance as the Doctor, um, and uh, certainly not his best from Series 6, but certainly very, very good. Very good. Uh, So overall then, Let's Kill Hitler. Um, It's going to be, I mean, mean, scores-wise... I've got two scores written down here. The first one was a 6.5. 6.5. The other one was a 6. And I, when I wrote 6.5, I made a cup of tea. I sat down and I thought, I don't think it's a 6.5. Because 
Because if we're going on the laws of sort of rounding ups and downs, you know, if you were to take all of our scores as an average, and sometimes I do that on our spreadsheet for our re- uh, review scores and so on over the over a year, it will round up and down. So based on that, a 6.5 would be closer to a 7 than it is a 6, and I don't feel it's that. So I'm going to go with a 6. A 6 out of 10. So let's go Hitler. Like I said, I will try and get Adam to record his... Um, his mini reviews on this and he can give you the lowdown when he's back. But for me, I'm going to go with a six. But what did our, what did you beautiful listeners think to this one? The Twitter poll, loads of votes on that one. Um, a bit more. Yeah. So, uh, 61% of you said stinky, which left 39% of you with likey. So quite negative there over on Twitter. Uh, Gallifrey James said, I have a lot of fun with it. And Matt, it's terrific. Uh, Rick Moran says, more awful Moffat convoluted mess. Oh dear. Uh, David Kitchen says, bottom five of all time for me. The moment the doctor started dancing in a tux was the moment I gave up on series six. Oh dear. Rob Kernick said, great episode. Funny, lighthearted, dark and sad. Uh, Every genre entailed into one neatly put together episode eight out of ten. Uh, Nathan, Silent Nerd C137 says, I think the title should have been The Birth of River Song. Do you know what, Nathan? I agree with you on that one. Like I said earlier, I think Let's Kill Hitler is a bit of a misleading title for this, really. And is a little bit clickbaity. Uh, but he goes on to say, it's interesting that after brainwashing Melody, Madame Kavarian let Amy raise her daughter. I like how her kiss is the cause of death. Matt looks great in his tux and I have a Fondness for the Sonic Cane, 7 out of 10. Uh, John Winston Scott says, Absolute garbage. Season 6 was the undisputed Nadir of New Who, and this was the pits, 1 out of 10. Wowzers, so up and down score so far. Andrew Cuthbert Jr. says, Let's kill Hitler, almost killed Doctor Who. The Sonic Cane pushes it up a rating, whatever happened to that Sonic Cane, just a 2 out of 10. Lewis Palmer says, the moment the show started to decline for me, it never really recovered until series 10, in my humble opinion. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Uh, Gallifrey and Hooven, Hoovian Morgan says, normally I'd leave a lengthy review on episodes, even if I find them to be awful. This one was just crap. It doesn't even deserve a proper judgment. 2.8 cornfields out of 10. Oh, dear. TARDISNet66, it's where the Matt Smith era really started to lose its way and go downhill. Hitler was just there to justify the title and it really made me hate River Song as she turned into an annoying and possessive woman whose only character trait was that she was obsessed with the Doctor. Crikey. Ben Moore says it's okay. Certainly not the best um, 11th Doctor story, but not the worst either. Uh, nearer to the bottom than the top, though. Uh, Master Missy ASMR says, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. I know it's silly and ridiculous, but sometimes that's okay. And it's so much fun. Cool. Uh, Jeff Waddle says, the numbskulls in the Robert, in the robot duplicate was where I checked out. So much promise, some brilliant scenes, but held together by utter garbage. 
Dear, oh dear. Over on Facebook, uh, Twitter, sorry, Twitter, Team Drew says, I mean, the name really lives up to the quality of this episode. Just another instance of Moffat trying to be clever and failing massively. Tim Palmer did an excellent job at cinematography, however, and the acting was superb. Um, nevertheless, the writing takes it one of the makes it one of the worst episodes to come out of Doctor Who, period, from Joe and Team Drew. Bloody hell. Sir Jacob Birtwistle. Uh, one of, if not the worst episode of New Who. This episode really should be called Let's Kill the Sanity of Everyone Watching This. It's just awful. I have nothing else to say. This is my first ever zero out of ten. Wow, says I don't think we've ever had a zero. We've had minus nine, 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 but not a straight zero. Lewis Blackmore says this is just an amalgamation of everything wrong with Series 6 as a whole. Boring plot, weak script, average characters with no development. River Song is nothing more than a plot device, not a character, but simply there to stitch up the continuity. One of the Moth's worst scripts for me, and honestly the worst 11th Doctor episode, although he is a marginally redeeming factor. Two out of ten. Martin Arnold, at the time I was pretty down on New Who. The idea of breaking up the season plus Moffat timey-wimey plot nonsense left me cold but coming back to this with an open mind by watching the season on dvd away from the bbc's increasingly poor attitude to the show i enjoyed it in the context of the season it works as a somewhat lighter episode after the intense previous one this is what moff does well pacing the season it's hokey but actually kind of charming thanks to matt smith selling the role as he always does it's certainly no classic but far better than its reputation, in my humble opinion, 7 out of 10. Positive one. Jason Thayer. I thought it was a mess, but I still like it. Miles McKenzie. Series 6 was decent, and the previous episode was amazing, but it all just fell apart here. Truly awful. The acting was pretty good, though. The title, Let's Kill Hitler, was just like click... Ah, another person. Thank you. Just like clickbait. We all got the answers in this episode, and not in the finale. Although Rory punching Hitler was pretty good. 1.5, 1.5, I believe my lowest rating for an episode so far. You are correct, Miles. Crikey. Harry Walker, absolute tripe. <laughs> Loved Rory punching Hitler and putting him in a cupboard, though. That is pretty cool. Uh, Charlie Turner says, well, talk about the second worst of the revived series to this point, at least. Terrible, terrible, terrible. When I see Hitler in the title, I expect to see Hitler for an entire episode. But for a few minutes and then lock him in a cupboard and then forgotten about uh, plus, this is one of the examples of River Song at her worst. One out of ten. Jake Bottomley says, Trying to go into this ep with a fresh view. Sadly, I was let down again. I don't see the point of the title with Hitler being shoved in the cupboard basically at the start of the episode and then never heard again. Then the story goes downhill from there, but at least the main cast try to give it a good performance. Four out of ten. Still loving the podcast. Look forward to listening to it every week. Thank you very much, Jake. And lastly, George Puddy says, Sadly... This is one of the few Matt Smith stories that I don't like. Not even he can save this one. He is good in it, though, as well as the main cast, especially Arthur Darville. The episode introduces the Doctor's green coat, which is uh, supposed something. Uh, we have to thank the episode for, but this episode wastes a great premise of what could have been the Doctor went back in time and accidentally saved Hitler instead. Going for a random friend of Amy and Roy that was never seen or heard of turns out to be River. River is at her worst in this episode. I do like the scene when the Doctor is in the tux 
and a track from the Big Bang is playing, but this episode is one I really don't like, which is rare for the Matt Smith era. He gives it a 3 out of 10. And lastly, Sammy Satine emailed in to say, uh, an absolute shambles. You know, Moff really outdid himself with this one. It's absolute proof he doesn't plan anything. Seriously, you have River Song murder the Doctor with poison lipstick, then bring him back all her, then bring him back using all her remaining regenerations. The next series, we find out at the end of the name of the Doctor that there's an incarnation of the Doctor we never knew about, and that means this, and that this means the Doctor has used up all his regenerations. So in the time of the Doctor, he gets a new regeneration cycle from the Time Lords. So doesn't that all contradict itself? Doesn't that mean the Doctor got himself new regenerations here instead of in the future? Also, why does this episode have to be called Let's Call Hitler? Hitler is only in it for a matter of seconds. Mel's is very annoying. So glad she regenerated into Alex Kingston, who is a better actress. I give it four Hitlers out of ten. Crikey. So I would say, with quite a comfortable... Uh, evidence here that this is one of the most Marmite episodes of Doctor Who, certainly one of the most Marmite ones that we've ever reviewed. Wowzers. Because there's plenty of episodes that we've done in the past where plenty of people are down the middle, sitting on the fence with a few here or there, but this one's very swingy. You either really like it, so seven and eights out of ten, or you really don't like it with zeros and ones and stuff. I think I'm the exception. <laughs> I think I'm sort of in the middle at a six. So yeah, let's kill Hitler. Not really doing the business, but a few people. Well, we had loads of views on the Twitter poll, but not enough to uh, not enough to uh, to bring the score up into the likey majority. Next week. We're going back to the Sarah Jane adventures for the story Eye of the Gorgon, which actually looks pretty good. I remember watching the trailer for that at the end of uh, Revenge of the Slovene, thinking, wow, that looks pretty good. So we'll see what happens with that one. Next week, um, I will be joined by a special guest. You will find out who that is when the show goes out next Friday. Otherwise, I think we're going to do there. Four one eight eight. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with me through episode one eight eight as I fly the TARDIS solo while Mr. Adam is enjoying himself over in China picking up random random rubbish in the form of series 9 or series 10 3D conversion DVDs in Chinese which should be interesting I'm sure we'll have a Geek's Handbag video for that when he returns in the meantime head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of the previous shows on there plus read all of our articles that go alongside the podcast that go out each and every week you can also link off to all of the social accounts from there so we're on pretty much everything Facebook, Twitter, Instagram just give us a like and a follow 
And if you're a Discord user, head over to the Discord. There's um, details on the website for that. Hanging out on there in the evening, having a chat about Doctor Who, which is all good. Also, you can subscribe to the show on all of the, or most of the podcast networks. Uh, The main one for us being iTunes. There's a big button for that on the website. Or if you're in iTunes or any other podcast app, just do a search for us. Give us a subscribe so you never miss a show that goes out every Friday. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be amazing. That really helps us loads. Also, check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Adam runs a really cool YouTube channel. Loads of unboxings and reviews and opinions on uh, not just Doctor Who, lots of sci-fi stuff, but mainly Doctor Who. Loads of really good videos over there, so go and give him a subscribe and a like. And he's also on all the socials as well, so go and check him out. Next week, the Sarah Jane Adventures, Eye of the Gorgon. Get your DVDs out. Um, Or if you haven't got the DVDs, just a quick reminder that all of the Sarah Jane Adventures are currently free on BBC iPlayer if you're in the UK. So give that a watch because we'll be asking for your reviews then. Until then, thank you for listening. I'll be back with a special guest for 189. Until then, Elante! Uh,